I think the most impactful one for me was there was a, a young donor who was a college student in central Illinois and um, they were able to donate multiple organs. And when the family met their heart recipient, you know, seeing that mother with a stethoscope, being able to hear her son's heartbeat a year and a half after losing him, you know, that's something that will stay with me forever. I'm Becky Ames. I'm a donation liaison with Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network. Hey, it's Steve, and this episode is dedicated to Janice Shipley, who passed away on April 29th. Her death came as a shock to everyone, and she will forever be remembered for a big smile, a welcoming hug, boundless energy, and purple hair. Now, to give you some idea of the impact Janice had on her community here in Champaign-Urbana, on Mother's Day, someone shared on her Facebook, you were a bonus mom for a lot of us around here, and we're missing you today. The day before Janice's death, her final Facebook post was a recipe for something very Janice, cheeseburger pie. It requires, among other things, two pounds of lean ground beef, a jar of spaghetti sauce, two cups of cheddar cheese, and a half a cup of barbecue sauce. I've posted the full recipe on my blog at Holstein.co, and I'm going to suggest that next year and every year after that, on April 29th, we bake up Janice's cheeseburger pie in her memory. Becky, um, your organization, Gift of Hope, came up because a mutual friend of ours passed away. She was an organ donor, and so you were mentioned, the organization Gift of Hope was, during her celebration of life. And I thought, you know, I'm an organ donor. I mean, I'm not an organ donor yet, um, but I've signed my card. Uh, It's on my driver's license, but I don't know the process after. So I thought it would be interesting to talk to you about organ donations. So how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. Yeah, I think that's a very mysterious thing. A lot of people probably don't even like to talk about it. I don't know how difficult it is to get people to become an organ donor in this day and age. Uh, It seems to be a little easier in some states. So um, tell me about, um, first, just Gift of Hope and what that organization does. Sure. Gift of Hope is uh, what they consider an organ procurement organization or an OPO um, that is working with 180 hospitals in Illinois and Northwest Indiana to facilitate the organ and tissue donation process within hospitals. And so we are a non-for-profit organization, coordinators to hospitals when there are patients nearing end-of-life circumstances where their loved ones have been faced with the very difficult decision of either compassionate withdrawal of life support, or their loved one may have a more serious injury that has led to neurological death. And so we go out to the hospitals and we evaluate to see if that patient could be eligible to be an organ donor so that then when those circumstances arise where end-of-life decisions are needing to be met, we can have those conversations with families so that they're aware of what their donation options might be. Is that kind of the norm across the country where you have a liaison organization like you that is the go between the deceased, the the fate, you know, then the family of the deceased and the hospital and the and the persons or persons who will need a donor. Is that kind of the norm? 
Very much so. Every state, it's called something different. There's a different OPO in every area. In fact, in Illinois, there are two. There's one for kind of the northern two-thirds of Illinois, which is Gift of Hope. And then there's another OPO organization that's in the St. Louis area that works with those hospitals in that region. But any hospital that receives funding for Medicare and Medicaid is required to work with an OPO like Gift of Hope so that we can offer donations to families and their institutions. And how long have you been in this position or with Gift of Hope, just sort of in the, uh, you know, I guess the organ donation uh, field? I've worked with Gift of Hope for about 15 years now. I've had a variety of different roles, but I've always really worked with the hospital and the donor families. So I am the person who gets called in to evaluate that patient to see if they are medically eligible to be an organ donor. And then if and when the time arises when the family's making those difficult end-of-life decisions, I then am introduced to the family so that they can be informed about what options may exist for donation and then educate them about what that process looks like so they would know what to expect if that is the decision that's right for their family. So you mentioned that uh, you go in and you essentially look at what the, you're calling them a patient, right? Yes. So you, you, I guess in conversations with the doctors, the medical staff, you're able to determine what organs from this um, person could be used. Is that, do I have that right? Yes. So when we are called in to evaluate a patient, we work with the medical team at the hospital and we also evaluate the patient's medical history and their medical record to determine if there are any factors present that would cause them to not be eligible to be an organ donor. And then if they are eligible, it helps us to get a clearer picture on what information we can share with the family based on, you know, what their records look like and kind of what the existing medical conditions are that would help us to have a better indicator of what organs might be suitable for transplant. How has organ donation, 15 years, that's that's a good enough time that you, you can probably share how organ donation and the process and awareness has changed from 15 years ago to today or even 30 years ago to today? I think the biggest change that we have seen is the increase in registered donors. So when I first started with Gift of Hope, Illinois was what was called an intent registry state. So in the donor registry, when you would go to the driver's license bureau to renew your driver's license, or you would register to be an organ donor online, you are saying that if I were to die, my intent is that I would like to be an organ and tissue donor. However, the legal decision was always up to my legal next of kin upon my death. So what they were finding in Illinois and many other states in the nation was that friends and family members who were finding themselves in that next of kin position were not always abiding by the patient's wishes and oftentimes were overturning them on their own personal um, opinions about donation. And so Illinois became the 43rd state to enact what's called a consent registry. So now when you registered your decision to be an organ donor, that is you providing legal consent for donation. So upon your death, you can be rest assured that Gift of Hope is going to carry out your wishes just as if you had included it in your last will and testament. What about an opt-out uh, scenario. Is that something that any states are doing where everybody is an organ donor uh, unless they opt out? 
I think that it's something that's been considered. There are some states, I believe, that do have an opt-out registry where everyone is essentially a registered donor unless they make the decision to contact their uh, driver's license bureau and remove their name from the registry. So I definitely think that would you know, allow more conversations to take place to increase the number of organs that are available for transplant. You know, right now in the United States, there's over 100,000 people on the national waiting list. And just in Illinois, there's more than 3,900 people on the waiting list. And so people don't realize even locally how much of a need there is for organs to be available for transplant. And I think that oftentimes people think donation is something that happens every day. But even in a level one trauma center, you know, on average, those hospitals might have between 20 and 30 organ donors in a year. And so when you really frame that with the number of people who are waiting for a transplant, that's why there is such a you know, a huge variant between the people who are awaiting and the number of organs that are made available every year for a transplant. And again, how many in Illinois? I just want to drive this home. There are over 3,900 people right now waiting for a transplant just in Illinois. Um, So there's 10 transplant centers in the state of Illinois that are in Gift of Hope's region that we work with. And so, you know, those people could be listed at any transplant center in the state. Um, Sometimes even they might be listed in centers that are out of state or listed at multiple centers um, just to try to increase their odds of receiving that transplant. What organ is most needed most often? On the national level, um, pretty much across the board, kidneys are the majority of what is being waited for. Um, they by far make up the the largest need on the transplant list. Um, you know, and so there's a variety. The organs that we evaluate for transplant, we can evaluate the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, the pancreas, and the small intestine. And so oftentimes people who, for instance, might have type 1 or 2 diabetes think, well, I have diabetes, I can't be an organ donor. But in actuality, they can, they just can't donate their pancreas. So just because you might have an existing medical condition like COPD or diabetes, that doesn't mean that you can't be an organ donor. It just might mean that it might impact what organs you can donate. So don't automatically think just because you might have some medical conditions or, um, you know, previous history with medical conditions that that would preclude you from being an organ donor because oftentimes it doesn't. And then there are other, I mean, there are things like eyes and skin that can also be notated, right? Yes, absolutely. So tissue donation, in fact, one in 10 Americans throughout their lifetime will need some form of tissue graft transplant. Um, You know, we can evaluate patients for tissue grafts from anything from corneas that restore sight um, to skin grafts that can save the lives of burn victims. And so the, the difference in organ donors and tissue donation is that to be an organ donor, what most people don't realize is at the time of your death, you have to be on a ventilator. And so that's why oftentimes we're seeing people who have suffered a motor vehicle accident or a neurological injury, and they've been placed on a ventilator to continue to provide them with that adequate oxygen that 
their injury has, you know, caused damage to. And so then because their organs are remaining um, supplied with that necessary oxygen, they can be considered for organ donation. But tissue donation, any death within the hospital um, can be considered for tissue donation, and they can help multiple people through different tissue grafts and bone grafts that can be donated for transplant. So explain to me then, Becky, the process. So um, uh, a medical team um, determines that someone who's in their hospital is not going to make it and they are on some sort of life support. Um, You, I guess your organization, there's, they, they, you know, they call your version of 911. They they call you, right? Yes. So they have a number that they notify for Gift of Hope, and we ask them some initial questions to determine if there's any pre-existing conditions that would cause the patient to automatically be ruled out for donation. So for instance, if someone has active cancer, we cannot evaluate them for donation. And so as long as they don't have any pre-existing conditions that would cause them immediately to be ruled out, then someone like myself would get dispatched to the hospital and we would go out and meet with the medical team and evaluate the patient's history. And then once the family has made those final decisions about end of life, then we are introduced to the family by the hospital team to offer them information about the options for donation. At that time, we educate the family that the donation process does take some time because, as you can imagine, not only do we have to evaluate the patient that's going to be the donor, but there is an entire process going on behind the scenes that has to to move forward in order for us to place those organs for transplant. So we're doing medical management of the patient. We're also making available the information about the organs that are suitable for donation to the transplant centers that are evaluating whether or not that organ might match one of their potential recipients. And then once those organs have been matched with recipients, then we are facilitating the transportation of all of the transplant teams to come to the donor hospital to perform the recovery surgery. So for instance, if we have a donor locally at Carl Hospital, who's donating three different organs to three different transplant centers. Each of those transplant centers have to send their transplant teams to Carl to do the recovery surgery. And then they're flying back to their institutions to perform the transplants. That's interesting. I did not know that the the organ donation centers, those, those facilities, sent in their own medical teams to... Um, remove the organs and take them back that way. You know, I, I don't know. I think of, I guess I think of things in, you know, the, the TV world where there's the physician and, you know, he's, you know, removing all of the, the parts that are necessary to give forward. And, you know, of course it's television and movies. So that's interesting that a different team for each organ would come in. And that's something that we encounter often with families is really their only knowledge of the process is what they have seen depicted on TV, where there's a patient room A, who's donating an organ to the patient in room B, and they know each other, and it's all happening right away. And that's why oftentimes it comes to a surprise to the families to know that even once we begin the process, it does take some time. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I am always so mesmerized by these donor families, because even in the midst of their own grief and trauma that they're going through and losing a loved one, 
they have that compassion to think about those potential recipients and their families who are going to go through that same loss if they don't receive that life-saving gift. And so these donor families are amazing individuals. And I think all of us who do the job that I do feel so blessed to be able to work with them. Yeah. Wow. I just, that what a, what a difficult but rewarding job you have as a donation liaison, Becky. That is how heart-wrenching it has to be every time you approach a family. But when they say yes, um, that's got to feel pretty good, I guess. There's a sense of joy there knowing that, that the organs will be donated and they'll be saving other lives. There's definitely a lot of emotions that we that we face. You know, we all are caring, compassionate individuals. We're mothers, we're daughters, we're sisters. And so we we really try to meet families where they are and try to put ourselves in their shoes and provide that care and compassion. It's not just about the donation. It's about making sure that this family is well taken care of. And so oftentimes, as you can imagine, you really bond with these families. And, you know, I have some very close friends of families that I worked with 10 years ago that I still keep in touch with today. And so it's really a blessing to be able to come alongside these families and support them through this process. And one of the things that Gift of Hope feels very strongly about is the ongoing support of these families. So we have an entire part of our organization called Donor Family Services that works with these donor families forever after the donation. So we do different events throughout the year to honor families and patients that have been organ donors that they can uh, participate in. We have different support groups and networks that we include them in. And so there's this whole network of families who also can bond together um, because while they're members of a club they wish they never had to be in, it's a club that they're really proud of. Um, and whether it was their decision or their loved one's decision, in 15 years, I've never worked with a who offered the option of donation and later regretted it. Um, but I have worked with families who, in the midst of their grief, couldn't really find um, the ability to say yes to donation, who have come back years later and said, that's the one regret that I still have. That, that's got to help to be connected with that community. It really does. You know, and the feedback that we get from families is that if they were faced with that decision, again, that they would choose donation. Um, and not only do they get that support from Gift of Hope, but we also offer them the option of receiving follow-up information about the outcome of the transplants. So donor families do have the ability to get some additional information in the beginning of the process. Um, on average, probably the first six months to a year, we have to maintain confidentiality of both the donor family and the recipient. So they would receive a letter usually in about six to eight weeks after the transplants take place that might give them some non-identifying information about the recipients. So for instance, it might tell them that a man in his 20s was the recipient of the lungs. Um, a you know mother of two in her 40s was the recipient of the heart. And so that's kind of their first connection point with knowing that the legacy of their loved one has lived on. And then we do continue to work with those families. And if at some point down the road, both the donor family and the recipient agree, then we can help even to facilitate them being able to meet the recipients of their loved one's organs. How, how many have you been a part of? Have you? I'm, I'm assuming as the, the donation liaison, you're probably there, right? And you witnessed that reunion. I've been able to be at a few 
Um, I think the most impactful one for me was there was a, a young donor who was a college student in central Illinois and um, they were able to donate multiple organs. And when the family met their heart recipient, um, they invited me to be there. And so, you know, seeing that mother with a stethoscope, being able to hear her son's heartbeat a year and a half after losing him, you know, that's something that will stay with me forever. And, you know, something that a lot of people don't think about is that the recipients go through a grieving process as well, because while obviously they're excited that they get to continue living there is a lot of, um, you know, grief because they realize that someone had to die for them to be able to live. And so, you know, it's something that we educate our donor families about is that it might take them some time to be able to be comfortable being able to reach out because they, too, are going through a healing process after that surgery takes place. I never would have thought of that. I never would have thought that there would have been a grieving process. But sure, I mean, you know, that person is no longer around. And so you're happy that you got a heart or a lung or whatever, but it was at the cost of a life. Um, you know, it was an accident or a disease or something, but... Yeah, the recipients are compassionate individuals as well. And, you know, oftentimes, while several of them might want to reach out to their donor families immediately, there are some recipients that need a while to process everything. And, you know, they have to go through a long healing journey. And so it's just something that, again, when I first came to Gift of Hope, I didn't really think about that being part of that process. But it is definitely part of that reality. So do Illinoisans organs, do the organs of someone who dies in Illinois, do they first uh, stay in Illinois? And then if they aren't needed in Illinois, do they go outside the state? Or is there a national database? So there is a national database. Um, UNOS is the organization that governs that national database. It's called the United Network for Organ Sharing. And they manage the national waiting list that everyone hears about. Um, but every state also has a list of individuals that are waiting for a transplant. So for Gift of Hope, when we have organs that are going to be offered for transplant, we first work with those 10 transplant centers in our service area. Uh, we reach out to them and see if they have a recipient on their waiting list that is a close enough match to our donor that they would not reject that transplant if they received it. Then if we don't have any success with those 10 transplant centers or there's no one that is a close enough match to our donor, then we continue to broaden our search until we exhaust the national waiting list. How did you end up with a Gift of Hope 15 years ago? What led you to that organization? So it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, my background is in marketing and sales. I was in the telecommunications industry for many years. Traveled a lot with my job. Uh, when my daughter was getting ready to start kindergarten, I really wanted to not miss out on a lot of her milestones and being able to be in the PTA and things like that. So I began looking for local jobs and I really was at that point, wanting to find something that was meaningful. Um, my husband and I had suffered the loss of a, of a child in between my daughter and my son. And I really just found myself realizing that there was a lot more to life than how much money you made. And so I began to look for a job that had some meaning behind it. And I was introduced to the organization of Gift of Hope. Um, so I applied for the job and interviewed in their Chicago location um, for a job in what we consider a satellite area. So I live in St. Joseph, Illinois, and work from home. And then I work with hospitals, mainly in Champaign, Bloomington, 
Kankakee and Danville, as well as Mattoon. Um, so while we can respond to hospitals all over the state, primarily those are the hospitals that I uh, spend the most time in. Mm -hmm. How often are you called to a hospital to, uh, to do what you have to do? Um, pretty regularly. We are generally on call five days a week, um, and then we rotate weekends. So there's a team of us that respond. In the Champagne team, we have three ladies, uh, myself, Elizabeth Ewing, who also goes to our church as a donation liaison with Gift of Hope, and then Terry Cagle. She actually lives in the Springfield, Illinois area. And so we respond primarily to the hospitals in our region. And then we have a team of donation liaisons in the Peoria area and a team in the Springfield area. And that's really what covers our satellite district service area. And then we have an entire office of staff in the Chicago area that cover all of our Chicago area hospitals. Do you remember your first conversation with a donation family 15 years ago? Is that the kind of thing that stands out? Absolutely. I'll never forget it. It was a, a family who had lost their father to a heart attack unexpectedly. He was relatively young and um, he had a daughter and two sons and a grandchild on the way. And so the family was really struggling with the fact that he was never going to be able to meet his grandchild. And when they heard about the option for donation, um, they immediately identified that that is something that he would have done um, he had not been a registered donor, but the family, how he lived his life, he always was helping people, he loved people, and that he would definitely want to be a part of something that could save someone's life um, when faced with a circumstance where he was not going to be able to change the outcome of his situation, but that they could change the outcome of someone else's. And so that donor was able to save the lives of four people. I still am in contact with that family to this day. Um, every year when the anniversary of his donation rolls around, um, I reach out to that family and let them know that I'm thinking about them. They live about three hours away, um, but it's nice through Facebook that we can continue to stay connected. And that family has really paid it forward. They've started a foundation in his honor. They've started scholarship programs for local youth. Um, and so it's really amazing to be able to connect with people and know that they can be a part of your life, um, you know, indefinitely. Wow. That's something else. Yeah, I could see how, um, uh, you know, probably many, if not most of the organ donor families would just sort of always be with you. Each one has a, has a unique situation and a unique story. That's true. I think anyone who has been in the role of a donation liaison, they can pretty much by name member most of the families that they've worked with, no matter how many years they've been in the job. And so it's something that just like ICU nurses remember families that they take care of, you know, you connect with people. I always say I give a piece of myself to every family. And, you know, I, I just feel like that in order to do this job well, it's not about the outcome. It's about how much you can be of service to that family. And so if I can play a small part in their healing, then I feel like I've done my job. So what do you want to tell folks who have not, uh, first of all, how do, if, how do you become an organ donor? If you, if you aren't sure if you are one, what's the easiest way to find out? 
So if you look at your driver's license in Illinois, there is a little uh, state of Illinois on your driver's license. Oftentimes it's in red and it says the word donor down the side of the state. Um, if you don't have it on your driver's license, simply signing the back of your driver's license is not the equivalent of registering to be an organ donor. So you would either need to, when you renew your license at the DMV, indicate that you would like to be an organ and tissue donor, and then they will put your name in the electronic registry. You can go online to www.giftofhope.org, and right on our main page, you can register to be a donor that way, or we have the ability to text to register. So if you text the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, to 51555, can also register to be an organ and tissue donor um, simply through text message. And so if you're not sure, you know, go through one of those methods to be able to register to be a donor, and then you can be certain. You will receive a letter from the Secretary of State's office, um, you know, later that confirms that you have entered your name into the organ donor registry. You know, what's nice about organ donation is you you just sign it or you check the box yes or you text, as you said, and then you're done. You have no other no other major decisions because I, I could imagine you would have some people would be like, you know, I'm a Cubs fan and I do not want any Cardinals fans getting my heart. It's just it's very simple. Yes or no. Do you want to be an organ donor? Yes, very much so. It's a very easy process um, that has lifelong benefits. So, Becky, one more time, give me the website and uh, and then also the, the phone number for texting, uh, because uh, if somebody's listening on their smartphone to the podcast, they could quickly text and register. Sure. You can go to Gift of Hope's website at giftofhope.org, or you can text the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, to 51555. That sounds super simple. We try to make it as easy as possible. Do we have any idea? What, what is the longest wait typically in the state of Illinois for an organ? I'll be honest, Steve. I don't know the answer to that question simply because I don't really work on the recipient side of it. Well, you know what? We Let's juice up the podcast. 12 years, Steve. 12 <laughs> long years. Becky Ames with Gift of Hope. Thank you so much for being on with me. I really, really appreciate it. So very informative. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. You have a great week. You too, Steve. All right, that's the show. If you have a comment or question, my email is in the show notes of your podcast app. You can also visit the contact link at Holstein.co. If you are listening in an app and you haven't already, please press the subscribe or follow button so each episode is downloaded automatically to your device. And if you listen in Apple Podcasts and you like what I do, be sure to leave a five-star review for me. All right, that's it. I'm Steve. This was the Holstein & Company podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you around town.